Welcome to the Temple of Glory Community Church, where the Word of God is never compromised. At this time, our pastor, Bishop Matthew Odom Sr., will deliver the message for the people of God. Please like, share, and subscribe to this message. 1 Samuel 4 and 19. Uh, we celebrate our Temple of Glory virtual church. Those of you that are uh, worshiping with us today uh, by way of YouTube, by way of Facebook, we are so glad that you're here. And... Uh, we can feel your presence and hear your amens uh, through the magic of technology. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope that you commit all the more. Uh, something, we're on the verge of something extraordinary right here in this house. God's about to do something. You know what? He's already doing something. And we just thank and praise God uh, for uh, what he's doing. Okay, let me, let me work quickly. 1 Samuel 4. Now, I have chosen uh, to read today from the New Living Translation for the sake of clarity that it might make just a, a little bit more sense. Uh, 1 Samuel 4 and 19 reads thusly. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and was near her time of delivery. When she heard that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth. But before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. She did not answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. Then she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured again don't play with God this morning's message is an ominous one to say the least it tells the story of an extremely tragic episode and season in the history of Israel a time when God's chosen people were obliterated in war a time when the leadership of Israel rebelled against God. It tells of the catastrophic day when the religious leaders sought to use God through manipulation. Well, by now, perhaps someone is wondering, what then does that have to do with us today? This took place at least 1,800 years before Christ was born. Christ has come and gone two millennia later. So we're talking about over almost 4,000 years ago. This incident took place. So how could this have any relevance to where we are today? I'm glad you asked. Our praise, our worship, our service must be real. We live in a time where social media has now become the conductor of the symphony 
of religious life. We follow what we see other people do, whether it's good or bad. And unfortunately, we don't check the sources to see whether or not what we're doing is or is not of God. To go a step further, we live in a time now where the name of God is taken so lightly. We've become cavalier in our mentioning of the name of God, even to the point where Jesus doesn't get the respect that he deserves because we've become so loose in our depiction of who he is. So much so that we have placed a higher premium on religion than we have on relationship. If you are a Christian, it's supposed to mean that you're in a relationship with the Lord. You don't use the name of God as a rabbit's foot. You don't use God's name as some type of lucky charm. No, it's not magically delicious. Some of y'all will get that later. But when you have a relationship with the Lord, everything that you do should be done to his glory. Y'all, I'm, I'm going to lose you in a minute. Our, our, our acts, or should I say our actions, our words, even decline our thoughts should be centered around being relational with God. We've been, we've been uh, in the book of Ephesians for a minute now, and we've learned that what we do, we do as unto the Lord. So when you, when, when, you, when you do right by your spouse, when you do right by your children, when you do right by your coworkers, when you do right by your friends, you're doing it because of the relationship you have with God. You see, the difference between religion and relationship, Elder Platts, is that you can pick religion up and down when you get ready. But when you're in covenant with God, it's seven days a week, 24 hours. I wish I had some help. How many of you wake up sometimes just to give God glory? How many, of, how many of you in here can honestly say there are times when, when you're just driving along and, and something just comes over you and you just feel the need to give God praise? Uh, some, uh, uh, when, when, when that thing comes over you, nothing else will suffice. That's because, Trey, it's genuine. That's because it's real. Do we have any real folk in here right now? Well, if, if you got your hand up, then you ought to also be willing to put your hand up when I say this. If you're genuine today, if you're real today, it's because God had to bring you through some seasons where he had to move some stuff out of your lives. And we may not be everything 
God wants us to be, but we've gotten to a place where we now know, Sister Lona, that we don't play with God. Y'all gonna make me preach by myself? Deacon Miller, would you tell Chief Master Sergeant, you don't play with God, you don't play with God, you don't play with God. This message, while uncomfortable to a degree, is a necessary module for our hearing and for our healing. Every now and then, the church must be reminded that God is not to be toyed with. We must never confuse religion with relationship when it comes to our walk with God. And the chapter in front of you this morning is evidence that we can be guilty of taking God for granted and seeking to use him for our own selfish and often immoral means. Bishop, you have lost me. Well, let me, let me, let me go in this direction. When we are guilty of trying to negotiate with God. What do you mean, Pastor? I know this doesn't apply to anybody in here, but there's some folk that you know at one point or another have said out of their mouths, Lord, if you get me out of this mess, I'll do this. I'll do that. Lord, if you help me get that job, I'm going to wait on y'all. Y'all holding up the 2 o'clock thing now. We tried to negotiate with God. Tishi, we told God, God, if you help me get that promotion, if you help me get that assignment, if you help me get that position, then I'm, I tell you what I'm going to do. And you're telling on yourself because if you're really in a relationship with the Lord, you don't go to him to negotiate. As a matter of fact, here's what you should be saying. Anyway, you bless me, Lord. I'll be satisfied. Too often we get caught up in the euphoria of carnal excitement. We allow things that satisfy our flesh to make us put on or put up or take off or pull down our so-called religious positioning with God. And my assignment this morning, unpopular though it may be, is to remind us, even while we prepare to ascend, don't play with God. If he's been good to you, give him glory, but make sure it's from the heart. If he's done something for you, praise his name. But don't just pick him up. Don't, 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 don't. Oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. Prince, don't, don't keep him locked up in the closet all week. And you don't pull him out until you pull out your Sunday go to meet and close. I, I'm going to church in the morning, so I need to look look the pastor. Let me let me let me get my religious etiquette 
down. Gloria Vanderbilt did not write a book on relational etiquette. You got to know God for yourself. It needs to be personal. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be real. Don't play with God. Now here's the admonition. If you play with God, even though he's omnipresent, you can be made to feel like he's nowhere to be found. I know none of y'all have ever been there. But that's a, I, I have. That's a miserable feeling to feel that God is nowhere. The story Deacon Reese has told of two boys, one age 10, the other age 8. These two boys were constantly getting into trouble. They were driving their mother crazy. Bad boy, bad boy, what you got? One day, their mother decided to take them to the local pastor to see if he could straighten them out. The pastor decided to meet with them separately. So Lady Wanda, he called in the youngest boy first. When he sat the boy down, the pastor raised the question to the eight-year-old. Where is God? The boy's eyes stretched wide as saucers, but he didn't give an answer. The pastor then repeated the question to the child, this time with a little more force. Elder Jean, where is God? Again, the boy began to squirm in his chair, but still did not give an answer to the pastor. This time, the pastor stood up, elevated his voice all the more, and said, young man, answer me. Where is God? At that point, the young boy jumped out of his chair, and ran out the door right past his elder brother who was waiting in the next room. When he saw his brother take off, the older sibling ran behind his little brother, chased him down, and asked him what was wrong. Boy, why are you running? The younger son replied, boy, we are in big trouble this time. Uh-uh, uh-uh, here's the catch. God is missing. And they think we did it. Whoo. My, my rhetorical question then of the morning is, is God missing in your life? Today, too many people have religion and yet they are oblivious to the fact that they have no true relationship with the Lord. He must be more to us than a mere relic, a trinket, even a cross some of us wear around the neck. God is not a good luck piece. How do you know that? Because God ain't got nothing to do with luck. Stop telling folk how lucky you are. 
if you're a shown up Christian, your blessings are not predicated on luck. It's predicated on favor. That'll preach all by itself. You need to look at somebody right now and tell them the favor of the Lord is upon me. That's why I'm walking in the things that I'm walking in. The favor. Favor of God. The favor of God. Can I get some audience participation? The favor of God. Can you say that? The favor of God. The favor of God is why you're here this morning. As I heard Elder Turner say earlier in prayer, it's the favor of God that the, your, the car you were driving was in a bad, you were in an accident, but you walked away with no, the favor of God is when you were four months behind in your rent, in your lease, in your mortgage, and you still got a roof over your head. The favor of God is why you were able to get that promotion even though you didn't go to Yale, Harvard or Princeton but you went to community school but if the favor of God is upon you it doesn't matter what people say you can't as a matter of fact God excels when folks say it can't be done that's why you ought to praise him with reckless abandon but make sure what you do is Real. Don't play with God. Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter four tells the story of the defeat of Israel against the Philistines. Now, why is that so uh, out of the ordinary this morning? Well, if you dig a little deeper, if you go beneath the surface, you will see why Israel lost twice. You will see why, even though Israel was God's chosen people, God allowed them. To experience a major defeat. Why? Because they chose to play with God. Do I have any, do I have any witnesses? Touch somebody and tell them, don't play with God. You can play with me. You can act crazy if you want to, but, but don't play. I find it interesting, Elder Turner, that the very first verse of the fourth chapter of 1 Samuel speaks of the prophet Samuel. We learn about Samuel in the book uh, uh, that carries his name. His mother, Hannah, uh, was barren for a long time and she prayed and asked the Lord for a child. God answered her prayer. Her promise to God was that, Lord, if you give me a child, I will make sure that I give him back to you, And that ought to be the mindset of every parent. If the Lord blesses you with a child, give that child back to God. Just as soon as he was weaned, Hannah brought Samuel to the house of God. And there he was tutored by a priest named Eli. 
And chapters 1 through 3 tell of the growth and the development and the maturation of young Samuel. God used him in a mighty way. But if your Bibles are open, you might take note of the fact that you will see Samuel's name in the first verse of the fourth chapter. But then you don't see Samuel's name again until you get to the latter portion of the seventh chapter. What does that mean, Elder Dawn? It means that even though God had a prophet on sight, the people chose to ignore the voice of God for the people so that they could do their own thing. Tell me that isn't uh, uh, something that we're dealing with right now. Too many churches are more concerned about being popular than they are walking in the word of God. Certain things us preachers won't preach because us don't want to rub the tithers the wrong way. And so we will negate certain parts. We'll ignore certain parts. We'll abandon certain passages of scripture because we want everybody happy. God's word is not designed for you to be happy every day of your life. Your happiness should not come from whether or not rare preaches a message you like or not. Your happiness which is your thermometer should come from the joy that you have which is your thermostat and if your joy is set on happiness in the Lord, if your joy is based on truth and righteousness and walking in the things of God, even when you have bad days you are still able to say this joy that I have the world didn't give it to me and the world cannot can I get 39 people to just shout glory to God listen to me you can't play Chris with God you can't you just can't in our text Eli the man who trained Samuel had some serious priestly issues. Mm -hmm. Not only did he have issues, but he allowed his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who should never have been priests to begin with. But they were doing everything that they were big enough to do. And they were doing it all under the guise of religion. I ain't talking about y'all. But I love the Lord. He's the head of my life. But I will cuss you out. I love God. God is all of that in my life. But I will hit anything that moves. You feel in however you want to feel in hit. I love God, but I carry a switchblade in this pocket and a 25 in this one, and I dare, but I love God. Y'all ain't feeling me. Come on, help me here, Deacon Barbara. I love God, 
But I spend hours on the phone talking about everybody and everything. I know who got their dress from where. I know whether or not it was on sale. I know if they sold five of them or eight of them. I know who's seeing who. I know who's going. I know where you shop. I know this. I know more about you than you know about you. But I love God. I love the Lord. I love the Lord, Jay. I love the Lord, Earl. I love the Lord, Trey. But I drink like a fish. I love the Lord, but I, I'm, I've, I've gotten so comfortable in, 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 in this complacency, I'll come to church high. And out shout you under the pew. I love myself. Some God. And when I get to church, I'm not going to let anybody out perform me. I got a reputation. Folk know me as a singer. They know me as a preacher. They know me in leading prayer. They know me by the way I carry myself. Hallelujah. But there's a difference, Sonia, between religion and relationship. Are y'all getting this? Am I helping anybody just a little bit? You can't play. Religious folk will plot on you. Religious folk will put on... Uh, the OJ's family reunion album. You know, they smile in your face. All the while they want to take your. Why y'all acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Look at somebody and tell them the backstabbers. But come Sunday morning. Don't play with God. So Eli was not living right. Hophni was not living right. Phineas was not living right. They were stealing from the church. They were taking the meats that were supposed to go. They were taking portions that didn't even belong to them. And they were making sure uh, at, at the time of Eli's death, he, he did live to be 90-something 90, 90 years old, but he was overweight and blind. So here's what happens, because I know y'all ready to go. That side of the church, they ready to go. Here's, here's what happens. The Bible says that Israel goes into war with the Philistines. And, 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 and the Philistines kill 4,000 Israelites. And so the Israelites regroup. They get, go back to their tents. Say, boys, this was a rough day. We lost badly. And somebody came up with a brilliant idea, Deacon Michael, i tell you what we can do. Let's go back to the temple. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant. Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant out of the temple and bring it to the site where we're going to war. If we bring the Ark of the Covenant out here, Sister Margaret, ain't no way in the world we can lose. And a lot of folk are that way because the Ark of Covenant, Ark of the Covenant to them was like some of the necklaces we wear with the gold cross. Why are you wearing a cross when you can't honor the one who died on it? 
And the Bible says, and I'm, I'm going to cut it short. The Bible says they went to the temple. They retrieved the Ark of the Covenant. They, brought, they probably didn't carry it the correct way, but they brought it back. As a matter of fact, where Eli was in the temple, the war was only 20 miles away. So they toted the Ark of the Covenant to the camp, to the site where they were doing battle. They'd lost 4,000 folk in the last uh, uh, bashing, so they just knew they'd win this time. Here's what happened. The Bible says that when they arrived in the Israeli camp with the Ark of the Covenant, the people got so happy, they began to shout until the earth moved. My dot, stay with me. The enemy heard the noise and were wondering what was happening, Stanley. And somebody said, man, they went to the temple and they got the Ark of the Covenant. Hold that thought. The Ark of the Covenant, covenant represents the presence of God. Between the cherubim under the mercy seat was the presence of God. The presence of God was now out of the temple and on the battlefield. And the children of Israel were so confident, Gloria, that they would win because they had the Ark of the Covenant that they began to shout. Nobody shouted repentance. Nobody shouted Lord, I've done you wrong. Nobody shouted, shouted Lord, change my heart. They were just glad that the Ark of the Covenant was there. And the enemy heard them shout, raise the question, what's going on? And Elder Diana, the Bible lets us know that when Israel shouted, the Philistines panicked. But their panic caused them to become more determined. You wonder why you need to pray all the time? You wonder why you need to stay before the Lord because every time God does something to you, it angers the enemy all the more. That's why you got to be careful walking around here acting, acting like you're oblivious to anything. Don't think for one moment that because you're saved that the devil ain't coming at you, Luana. As a matter of fact, the more you praise God, the more the devil is going to come. He'll come at your family. Can I get some help? He'll come at your children. He'll come at your finances. He'll come at your help. And the Philistines determined, you know what? We are not going to lose. And the war continued. This time, instead of losing 4,000, they lost 30,000. 30,000 people died because Israel chose to play with God. You can have money. It can be taken away. You can be in the best of health. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, uh, some type of, uh, uh, what do you call it, x-ray reveals something that, that, that was not there. The Bible says that word came back, messenger came back. Whitman, 20 miles. And he got to the temple. 
He was tired. He had mud all over his face, dirt all over his face because it was a sign of mourning because he was bringing Eli bad news. Did I tell you that Samuel's name is not being mentioned? It's because Sam, they, nobody went to Samuel. Everybody wanted to do their own thing. So here's Eli, 98 years old, over 300 and something pounds, blind, can't see, waiting on a word as to what's going on in the war. And the word of God says the man came and said, Eli, I got bad news. Oh, what's the news? He says, oh, my God, I don't know where to begin. We've lost 34,000 soldiers. Eli said, and he says, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. Eli said, and there's more? He said, yes, this is the worst news of all. Oh, they came and got the Ark of the Covenant and they took it. And now the Philistines have the Ark. And when old man Eli heard that news, the Bible says he fell backwards and broke his neck. Look at God. Y'all ain't gonna like this. God is cleaning house. God got the two sons out the way. God got Eli out the way. And, and, and don't lose sight of the fact it was Eli who trained Samuel. But don't think for one moment just because you've done some good in the church that all of a sudden you don't have to be accountable for your after hour participation. I told you y'all wasn't going like this. Fool me anyhow. Slap somebody. I'll give them a high five and tell them don't play with God. Don't play with God. When Phineas's wife got word of everything that had happened, let's see, let's see. I, I, I know you're ready to go, James. She, let's see, she lost her husband. She, she lost her brother-in-law. She lost her father-in-law. And the Ark of the Covenant was no longer in the temple. All of this bad news caused her to go into premature labor. And she gave birth. And the midwives tried to encourage her. They told her, you got a little boy? You got a baby boy? Be glad. And see, that's a good thing because back in the day, you, you always wanted to have a little boy because you had somebody to take care of you. It didn't even matter. Here's my final, here's my final point. She was dying. But she would not die until she gave name to this boy. And for however long he lived, his name would be a reminder of the fact that Israel played with God. What's his name? Ichabod. Ichabod. Now, if you take it's three syllables, but if you take the first, uh, the, the, the prefix away, the ik away, which means heavy, the name kabod simply means glory. But ichabod means that the glory was no longer present. Now, Bishop, what does that have to do with us? I said it before, I'm going to say it again. Temple of glory, let me look into the camera. Temple of glory is on the ascent. We're on our way up. But as we climb, 
we mustn't lose sight of the fact that all that we are, all that we have is due to the favor that's on our lives. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't talking back to me. When I say temple of glory, I'm talking every home that's represented under this building right now. You are connected to a place of favor. And I need you to accept the fact right now that you're walking in the favor of God. God is blessing you more than you deserve. God has given you more than you could ever ask for. But I'm begging you as you go higher in the Lord don't get the big head don't get so complacent don't get so full of yourself till you stop recognizing where your help comes from get your education but don't give credit to your masters give credit to the master get what you can get but don't let any material thing take the place don't Thank you so much for listening in to the Temple of Glory podcast. I know the word have been a blessing to you. We'll see you again soon.